Investigating the $6 billion to Iran, lawmakers from both sides of the aisle now pushing to refreeze the funds. And House Republicans say they'll open a probe. A desperate father of a Chinese-Israeli woman worries for his daughter's safety after Hamas abducted her. And Taiwan grapples with its own concerns connected to the Middle East conflict. Will House Republicans be able to unify behind a new speaker today? That's the question without a definite answer as the GOP meets for an internal vote. Supporting Ukraine for as long as it takes, the Pentagon pledges continued support. This amid renewed requests for aid from Ukraine's president. Australian journalist Chung Lei reunited with family after three years of detention in communist China. We have more updates. Hello and welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Chris Beers. Israel has agreed to form a unity government as the war with Hamas rages on for a fifth day. The new wartime cabinet will consist of Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, the leader of the centrist opposition party and the country's current defense minister. The cabinet will focus only on issues of the war. A spokeswoman said Israel would, quote, make sure that by the end of this operation, Hamas will have zero military capabilities. According to local reports, a founding member of Hamas has been killed in Israeli airstrikes. The Israel Defense Forces said the first shipment of advanced U.S. weaponry has arrived in Israel. They expressed gratitude for the U.S.'s commitment to support the country. The State Department says the U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, will travel to Israel today to meet senior Israeli leaders. Blinken will arrive on Thursday. Israel says its death toll has soared past 1,200, with an estimated 150 others taken hostage in Gaza. The U.S. is trying to recover American hostages in Gaza. The State Department is working with partner countries, including Egypt and Israel. State Department spokesman Matthew Miller said the U.S. is still trying to determine how many Americans have been caught in the conflict. At least 14 Americans are among the 1,200 people who have been killed since Saturday. Hamas has also taken an unknown number of American hostages. Miller condemned Hamas for its brutality and disregard for human life. Every day we get new information. Look, there's a list of Americans who we have confirmed dead. There are Americans who, are, are, who remain unaccounted for. I do expect that, unfortunately, that the list of Americans who are confirmed dead will rise today. I think we all need to recognize that this was a brutal terrorist organization uh, that we're talking about here, whose depravity was on display when we saw them uh, murdering civilians, children, women, uh, to dragging a Holocaust survivor in a wheelchair across the border. House lawmakers want to send Israel $2 billion to bolster its Iron Dome defense system. The air defense system intercepts and destroys short-range rockets and artillery shells fired at Israel. A bipartisan group of lawmakers introduced a House bill to fund the Iron Dome yesterday. Congresswoman Claudia Tenney is a co-sponsor. She said the Iron Dome system has intercepted over 3,000 missiles in the past few days. Representative Josh Gottheimer said the bill is critical in supporting a system that saves millions of innocent lives. Lawmakers from both parties want to support Israel. However, with the House Speaker position vacant, business is stalled. Republicans will meet today to vote on a new speaker. 
$6 billion to Iran, Republican Congressman James Comer said he'll investigate the unfreezing of the funds. Comer is the chairman of the House Oversight Committee. He criticized the move as a ransom payment to Iran. Comer compared the unfreezing of the funds to the Afghanistan withdrawal. He says both have caused turmoil in the region. Many Republicans, as well as some Senate Democrats, want the funds to be refrozen. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen today commenting on the war in Israel. As President Biden said, we stand firmly behind Israel and are there to support Israel in any way that's necessary. Yellen also said the Iran funds have not been touched and didn't rule out the possibility of refreezing the money. She emphasized the funds were made available only for humanitarian purposes. She also didn't roll out placing new sanctions on Iran. Israel is taking fire from two more neighbors to the north. Fighting hasn't broken out the way it has in Gaza. But I wanted to know how would the Jewish state hold up in a two-front war? I spoke with Rabbi Tuli Weiss, founder of Israel 365, for his view on the hard path forward for Israel. Rabbi Tuli Weiss, thank you for joining us. Israel fired artillery rounds into Lebanon in response to mortar fire from Hezbollah. It also fired into Syria in response to a small rocket attack from a Palestinian faction there. Is Israel ready for a multi-front war? I hope Israel is ready for a multi-front war. We, we weren't ready for uh, attacks from Gaza. But the IDF quickly mobilized 300,000 troops and are all amassed on the southern border and the northern border as well. There's also a very real concern about um, if Palestinian territories um, rising up against uh, the Jewish communities. So it's a multi-front conflict that we are doing our best to prepare ourselves for. And how do forces like Hezbollah compare to the um, Israeli defense forces? Uh, nothing compares to the Israeli defense forces, first of all. And uh, Israel has the best military, certainly in this region. And um, in a conventional war, we have nothing to really fear. However, this is not a conventional situation. This is a um, a proxy fight. Iran is behind the scenes here, um, funding and funneling arms towards not only Gaza, but Hezbollah as well. And they're just the, the terror arm of the real threat. So the issue is really one of morale, and Israel has a strong morale. We're seeing very strong morale throughout the soldiers and the citizens. And what we really need is for America to stand strong behind Israel, no matter how long it takes for Israel to destroy its enemy. And let's switch gears for a moment. Now that some of the dust has settled on the initial attack by Hamas, atrocities committed by Hamas are coming to light. Um, dozens of babies and children were reportedly found butchered in kibbutz. As a rabbi, what's your message to the Jewish people right now? It's a very painful to see, not only as a rabbi, as a father, um, and it's, uh, it's, it's heartbreaking. The Bible, however, is our inspiration. We're here because of the Bible, our faith in the God of Israel, and that he gave 
the land of Israel to the people of Israel. That's the only reason that we are here. And we all know to some extent that we are putting ourselves in harm's way. I moved to Israel 12 years ago with my family from the United States, not because I didn't love America. I do love America, but because I wanted to raise my children in the land of our forefathers. That's why we're all living here. And so the message to the Jewish people is our national anthem, Hatikva, hope. So the hope that we have returned to our homeland after 2,000 years, but we're not going anywhere. Rabbi Tuli Weiss, thank you very much. Thank you. How will the new independent candidate affect the Trump campaign? Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has left the Democratic Party and is shaking up the playing field as an independent. We speak with Epic Times reporter Janice Heisel for the Trump campaign's response to the move. Janice Heisel, thank you for joining us. It's good to have you back on the show. The Trump, the Trump campaign says RFK pretends to have conservative values but has a radical liberal background. What are they referring to? Well, I can tell you that, um, of course, he is an environmental lawyer, as a lot of people know. I mean, he's still, for a lot of voters, a little bit of an unknown quantity. They've heard of him. They don't know much about him other than his most prominent stance, which is raising concerns about vaccines being required, such as the COVID-19 vaccine, for example, which a lot of people actually view that as a conservative view. However, on the more liberal side, he does have some attitudes about abortion, where uh, he thinks there should be abortion allowed within the first three months of pregnancy, and, and that is of concern to many conservatives. And with RFK first running as a Democrat and now switching to as a, uh, an independent, does the Trump campaign, campaign view him as a threat or a benefit to peel voters away from the Democratic Party? You know, that's a very interesting question, and it's one that I don't think that they would admit directly. However, considering that they did respond to me very quickly when I was asking about this, I am perceiving that they do view him as somewhat of a threat because in a race that is viewed as being probably really tight, any independent or third-party candidate could help pull away votes from both sides to an extent that it could sway the election. Now, the Epic Times uh, had a request for comment from the public uh, about what they thought about the RFK um, independent run. And one person actually suggested the possibility of Donald Trump running as an independent and that really mixing things up. That seems far off right now, but as far as I'm concerned, anything can happen. Um, how would that, what circumstances would um, bring that about? Well, you know, um, once again, at, that was actually a question that I posed on X, formerly Twitter, uh, to my followers. And I've got to tell you, that one struck me as, as kind of a little bit way out there. However, I agree with you that anything could happen. I don't know what circumstances would have to happen. It might be that, for example, if the Republican Party didn't choose Trump as the nominee at the convention next summer, I mean, that would definitely be an avenue that I would think he would consider. All right. And what are Trump supporters telling you about RFK? You've been sp speaking to a few of them. 
Well, I'm hearing from Trump supporters in states such as California, which is viewed as very blue, and then in Texas, which is viewed as much more of a red state, that um, there is some mixed level of concern. People are still, of course, this is very new. He just announced this yesterday. So we don't know what the effect of RFK's announcement of the independent run will be. However, the people in California, some of them were expressing some extreme concern about the very issue I raised earlier, peeling away votes that otherwise would go to President Trump. However, in the more red state, the comments I'm hearing are things like President Trump's followers are largely very loyal. There are some on the fringe who may, you know, go over to the RFK side because of concerns, for example, about his indictment. Uh, but for the most part, people do seem to think that President Trump does have a very loyal, large yeah. base. Yeah. All right. Epic Times reporter Janice Heisel, thank you again. Thank you. Coming up, false claims on the Israel-Hamas war spreading as misleading information and doctored images are surfacing online. And North Carolina Republicans are changing voting laws. Now they're being sued. Find out why in just a moment here on NTD News Today. Welcome back. The EU's industry chief alleged that disinformation about the Israel-Hamas conflict was spreading on Elon Musk's ex-social media platform. Here with us live is NTD business host Don Ma. Don, what is the EU official accusing X of? All right, Chris. Uh, so in a letter addressed to Elon Musk, uh, the commissioner for the internal market of the European Union said that instances of fake and manipulated images and facts were reported on the social media platform. And at the same time, he urged Musk to correct the situation, and he even mentioned uh, potential fines. Uh, so, of course, uh, Musk responded to this, uh, to this letter on X saying, quote, uh, please list the violations you allude to on X so that the public can see them. Uh, and then after Musk said that, uh, the EU official responded saying uh, basically that Musk, you know, is aware of the violations and did not provide a list. So basically what the situation looks like right now is the EU official accusing Musk of something and then Musk saying, uh, tell me what I did wrong. And then the official basically saying, you know what you did wrong. So th that's the situation right now. Now, Don, accusation of disinformation about the Israel-Hamas conflict spreading on X is pretty serious. How are X users reacting to this? Well, Chris, it, it seems like users are taking Musk's side on this, uh, saying that uh, the official proposed action against X, so, you know, they should be clear on what they're talking about and provide that list uh, that Elon Musk asked for. And I think X users may have a point here because... If someone's accusing you of something, then it's up to them to prove that you committed wrongdoing, right? I mean, you're innocent until proven guilty. And I think many groups uh, recently have been more critical of Musk ever since he bought Twitter. Um, but, you know, do I think there's disinformation 
uh, about the conflict on X? Uh, I mean, yeah, probably. Uh, but, you know, there's disinformation about the conflict on many other social media platforms as well, uh, like, you know, uh, Telegram, WhatsApp, Facebook, TikTok. But, you know, I'm seeing a lot of media coverage mainly focusing on X. And X has been doing something about this as well. Yeah, what has X been doing? Uh, it, it said it, it removed newly created accounts affiliated with the Hamas terrorist group uh, and took actions on tens of thousands of posts that shared a graphic media, violent speech, and hateful conduct. Uh, but X did not say what actions it took uh, specifically on the posts. But, you know, I think it could be things like uh, removal or having their distribution re reduced uh, by, by, by the company. Um, actually, one false claim that spread on X and Facebook as well, for that matter, is something that, that showed a U.S. government document edited to look like approval for $8 billion in military funds to Israel. Uh, besides that, others include a falsely labeled video uh, purporting to be Hamas uh, militants with a kidnapped child and, and video from a concert by American singer, singer uh, Bruno Mars miscaptioned as footage from an Israeli music festival that was attacked by Hamas. So, so those are some of the things that has been spreading, but it seems like X is taking action. All right. Thank you so much, Don. Yeah, thank you, Chris. A Beijing-born Chinese-Israeli woman was among people abducted by Hamas. Her father now fears for her safety. Plus, some Taiwanese people are worried about the island's defense amid the Israel-Hamas conflict. NTD's Tiffany Meyer has the report. A father is fearing for his daughter's safety. A young woman, Noah Argamani, is among those abducted by Hamas while at an outdoor dance party. What can I say? My whole life since she was born, I have done my best to protect and to hug her and to support and love her, and now in this difficult moment, to at least encourage her. Israel's consulate in Guangzhou confirming that she's been abducted and taken to Gaza. Argamani is half Chinese and was born in Beijing. An Israeli official is calling on Beijing for a stronger response. The Chinese foreign ministry said it's deeply concerned about the violence. It also called for a two-state solution, saying the answer is to make Palestine an independent state. Yaval Wax, a senior official at the Israeli embassy in Beijing, says Israel expects to see a stronger condemnation from Beijing, saying this is not the time to call for a two-state solution when people are being slaughtered in the streets. Over in Taiwan, some residents are worried that China might be emboldened to invade the island. One of them told NTD that Taiwan needs to shore up its defenses. Taiwan should make sure it has enough military power to defend itself. He said he supports Taiwan extending its military conscription service. The House entering another day speakerless. Republicans are meeting behind closed doors right now to take a series of votes to hopefully find a consensus. NTD's Melina Wisecup is outside of that meeting room with the latest on this battle for the gavel. Melina, tell us what's going on in that room. What can we expect from today? 
Good afternoon, Chris. Yeah, like you mentioned, we're right outside of that meeting room where Republicans have been meeting for about two and a half hours at this point to try to decide uh, their next speaker. And as you can see behind me by the crowded hallways, interest is very high. Everybody's on their toes because nobody's sure exactly how this will all play out. Now, the key here is they're not only voting today on whether they choose Scalise or Jordan as speaker, but they're also deciding internally about certain rules, such as an internal rule that could raise the threshold for how many votes it takes to actually get this speaker vote out of conference and on the floor for a full house vote which is of course is needed for that speaker to take that position now there's also another discussion about whether or not to change the motion to vacate rule which is the rule that got us here in the first place here's what members here's what members are saying about where they stand on these rules changes and uh, how they're feeling moving forward take a look it's more than selecting a speaker if this conference continues to allow 4% of the conference to partner with Democrats when 96% of the Republicans want something else, they will never lead. I think that the motion to vacate is negotiable. Can I ask you about the rules, Congressman? Are yes, you for this internal rules change? I don't really care. If, if the majority votes for it, then I'm, I'm there. So the first two congressmen you just heard from, they're referring to the motion to vacate rule, which is what it made it possible to oust uh, Speaker Kevin McCarthy from that position. The last person you heard from, Congressman Tim Burchett, he was referring to that internal rules change, which right now is key. We're told that they did just finish voting on that rules change, and we're still waiting on the result here. Congresswoman Anna Paulina Luna told us she's against it. You heard from Congressman Tim Burchett saying that he'd go with whatever the majority goes for. But this is a key vote here for this internal rules change because if they do in fact end up passing this rule, it could delay the process internally even longer and we'll see multiple rounds of internal voting before they finally bring that uh, vote to the floor for a public vote. But some are saying they're not too much worried about the delay. They just want to make sure they get it right. Here's how Congressman, uh, here's how a Congressman that spoke to us earlier put, put it. When you vote for Speaker, you better make sure you like his plan for the next 75 days. I haven't heard Steve Scalise give us a plan for the next 75 days. Jim Jordan has a clear plan. It's to do a clean CR long term and, and buy us enough runway and to take shutdown off the table. And that was Congressman Thomas Massey. He was expressing uh, the ongoing spending fight that's going to bubble up again, even though they did delay that spending fight until November 17th. We're going to see the same discussion around spending come up again, which is also what caused us to get in this position here where they disagreed with the way uh, the former Speaker Kevin McCarthy handled it. So this is all up in the air right now. Like I mentioned earlier, they are finishing up that internal rules vote. We're waiting to see what happens there because that ultimately decides how long this process will take. Some are saying it will be a very long day. Chris. Thank you very much, Melina. Carrie Lake of Arizona formally announced her bid to run for a U.S. Senate seat. Lake, who lost an Arizona gubernatorial bid, is a Trump ally and has already received an endorsement from the former president. I am not going to retreat. I'm going to stand on top of this hill with every single one of you and... I know you're by my side as I formally announce my candidacy for the United States Senate. I will stop the push toward communism and I will be the most pro-America senator in the entire country. Kerry is one of the toughest fighters in our movement and 
I am proud to give her my complete and total endorsement for the United States Senate. She is very special, with people like Kerry fighting for Arizona in the Senate, with me in the White House. We will make America great again. So God bless you, God bless Arizona, and Kerry, God bless you. If Lake wins the Republican nod, it could become a three-way battle between current independent Senator Kirsten Sinema and Democrat Ruben Gallego. Lake will vie for the nomination against a handful of Republicans, including Pinal County Sheriff Mark Lamb and businessman Brian Wright. Changes to voting laws in North Carolina, Republicans are putting limits on same-day voter registration in the state, and Democrats are already responding with lawsuits. The new law requires additional identification. It also throws out the ballots of same-day registrants whose mail comes back as undeliverable. The limits are overriding a veto by the state's Democratic governor. Republicans say the measures will make elections more secure. Democrats say the election law amounts to voter suppression mostly hurting minorities. North Carolina is expected to be a battleground state in the 2024 White House race. Utah is suing TikTok over allegations the company misled the public about its safety. The state's attorney general accused the social media giant of violating the state's consumer protection law. The complaint accuses TikTok of baiting children into unsafe use through alleged addictive features. The lawsuit also accuses TikTok of failing to sufficiently disclose its links to parent company ByteDance, which is based in China. TikTok has yet to respond to a request for comment. The platform has come under fire in recent years with allegations the China-owned company poses a national security threat and that its technology is harmful to young people's mental health. A recent government report found that U.S. law enforcement ran facial recognition searches without proper training. According to September's Government Accountability Office report, multiple agencies within the Justice Department and Homeland Security didn't require staff training before using the controversial technology. That includes technology used to match individuals with photographs found online. Researchers studied facial recognition use at six U.S. agencies, including the FBI, from October 2019 until March 2022. During that time, 95% or a total of 60,000 searches were conducted without proper training. Experts warned that not guiding staffers on how to use AI technology could lead to errors resulting in discrimination. The GAO report says both the Homeland Security and Justice Departments are now developing facial recognition policies to address potential civil rights issues. President Biden is expected to unveil new actions against junk fees during an event at the White House today. That's according to a fact sheet shared ahead of the event. The proposed rule would require businesses to disclose mandatory fees up front. It would also prevent a swath of businesses, including event ticketing providers and hotels, from levying unexpected service charges. Also, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau will take steps to prohibit banks and credit unions from charging consumers who want to check account balances. Google is looking to make your passwords obsolete. Instead, the company wants you to create passkeys to unlock accounts and devices, like using a fingerprint, face scan, or a PIN number. Google says passcodes are easier to remember, quicker to use, and also more secure. It says the technology will now become the go-to option during password creation. 
Users can still dodge pass keys altogether and keep their passwords. Pass keys are now used across YouTube Maps, Uber, and eBay, and they're coming to WhatsApp. Apple rolled out its passkey option with the release of iOS 16. Passkey support was first rolled out on Chrome and Android devices in October 2022. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, please feel free to email us at news.today at ntd.com. Coming up, a U.S. Navy service member has pleaded guilty to leaking sensitive military information to China. An Australian journalist, Chung Lei, is back home after three years of detention in communist China. We hear more from the country's prime minister after the break. Back to the news. A U.S. Navy service member pleaded guilty to federal charges yesterday. Petty Officer Thomas Zhao was accused of conspiring with a Chinese intelligence officer. He admitted to engaging in a corrupt scheme to collect and transmit sensitive U.S. military information exchanged for bribes. And TD's Kostemines has the details. Thomas Zhao worked at Ventura County Naval Base in Port Wainimi, California. There, he was responsible for installing, repairing, and servicing electrical equipment on U.S. military installations. Zhao has been in custody since his arrest on August 3rd. According to the August indictment against him, Zhao allegedly sent information to a Chinese intelligence officer posing as a maritime economic researcher between August 2021 and May 2023 in exchange for receiving nearly $15,000 in bribes including operational plans for a major military exercise in the Indo-Pacific. According to prosecutors, Zhao took screenshots of operational orders of military training exercises and passed them to the intelligence officer. Zhao also stands accused of transmitting photos of blueprints and diagrams of a U.S. radar system stationed on a military base in Okinawa, Japan. He further admitted to using sophisticated encrypted communication methods to transmit the information, as well as destroying evidence and concealing his relationship with the intelligence officer. If convicted, Zhao could face up to 20 years in prison. Sentencing is scheduled for January 8, 2024. Kost NTD News. More short headlines from around Asia. Australian journalist Chung Lei has returned to Australia after sending, spending three years behind bars in China. The country's prime minister confirmed her safe return. Earlier today, uh, I was able to have a conversation with an Australian citizen, Chung Lei, who has arrived safely here in Melbourne and has been reunited with her two children and her family. Uh, her matter was concluded uh, through the legal processes in China. Uh, this is uh, something that uh, we have uh, advocated for for a long period of time. Chung was met at the airport by the foreign minister Penny Wong. Chung was an anchor for a Chinese state-owned media network. She was detained in August 2020 on charges of illegally providing state secrets overseas. It came after the previous Morrison government called for a probe into the origins of COVID-19. 
Beijing's move was seen as another example of hostage diplomacy to intimidate the West. In an open letter to Australia this August, Chung described the harsh conditions in the Chinese prison. She said she was only allowed to stand in the sun for 10 hours a year and hadn't seen a single tree since being jailed. Besides Chung, at least five high-profile foreign nationals have been detained by China, including two U.S. citizens. U.S. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is cutting short his trip to Asia. It's a response to the conflict in Israel. A spokeswoman said Schumer moved up his meeting with the South Korean president and will return to the U.S. tomorrow. The Senate delegation he leads canceled its trip to Japan. Schumer is the highest-ranking Jewish elected official in the U.S. He will be back home in New York on Thursday evening to attend community events and spend time reflecting with his family. Embattled Chinese developer Country Garden said it might be unable to make all its offshore debt payments when they become due. The company was scheduled to pay close to $67 million on $2 bonds on Monday. There's still no word on whether that payment happened, though there is a 30-day grace period. Shares in the firm dropped around 10% in afternoon trade yesterday. Country Garden has almost $17 billion in bonds and loans and currencies other than the Chinese Yuan. And now some short headlines from around the world. The Pentagon reiterated today that the U.S. will support Ukraine for as long as it takes. This comes amid war in Israel and political instability in Congress. Now this coalition continues to make history with our unity and our steadfast support for Ukraine. So make no mistake, the United States will stand with Ukraine for as long as it takes. He added that Russia is expected to again bombard Ukraine this winter using cruise missiles and drones. According to the Russian Pentagon, Russian forces will harm Ukraine's cities, civilians, and critical infrastructure. That was at the NATO Military Alliance headquarters in Brussels. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky attended the meeting. He's asking for more air defense systems, artillery, and ammunition. That's to help his country through another wartime winter. Meanwhile, Russia's defense minister visited a plant that manufactures military transport aircraft. The minister said the demand for transport aircraft has continued to grow. That's due to the war in Ukraine. He said their workload now exceeds what the Soviet Union faced at its most intense time. Russian President Vladimir Putin will travel abroad. It's his first known trip abroad since the International Criminal Court issued a warrant for his arrest. Putin is set to visit Kyrgyzstan on Thursday. The Russian leader is also due to travel to China next week. That's for the third Belt and Road Forum in Beijing. Neither Kyrgyzstan nor China are members of the International Court. Now on to Sweden, trying to join NATO. Sweden expects NATO to accept its request to join the alliance. The nation's defense minister is in Brussels, joining the U.S., Ukraine, and others. We have uh, implemented on all the provisions in the trilateral MOU between Sweden, Finland, and Turkey, and that's, that's the agreement that we have. And now we expect a ratification due to that. So, so we don't expect any kind of new demands or requirements. He also emphasized support for Ukraine and Israel. And lastly, police in Peru busted a human trafficking ring. 
six Taiwanese nationals are accused of leading a trafficking ring. Police freed almost 50 Asian nationals in the operation. They were lured to South America under false pretenses and held hostage. They were forced to work in a call center in subhuman conditions. The building had an electric fence, barred windows, and doors locked to prevent the alleged victims from escaping. The case became known thanks to the escape of two alleged victims who reported the crime. Still to come, floorboards in a Norfolk theater may have once been the stage for William Shakespeare. The famous playwright was also an actor in a theater company. In a town in the Bolivian Heights, bulls are still a popular attraction at the patron's Saints Festival. It's a Spanish tradition with a Bolivian twist. More shortly here on NTD News Today. Welcome back. If you're just joining us now, here are some of today's top headlines. Israel agrees to form a unity government as the war intensifies. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and leader of, op of the opposition party will join the war cabinet. Meanwhile, a Hamas founder is reportedly killed in Israeli airstrikes. Lawmakers from both sides of the aisle are pushing to refreeze the $6 billion funds to Iran. And House Republicans say they'll open a probe. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen didn't rule out the possibility of refreezing the funds. A Beijing-born Chinese-Israeli woman was among people abducted by Hamas. Her father is worried about her safety. An Israeli official is calling on Beijing for a stronger response. House Republicans vote today on Representatives Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan for speaker nominee. The caucus rejected a proposal to raise the vote threshold for the speaker's election. The Pentagon pledges to support Ukraine for as long as it takes, this amid renewed requests for aid from Ukraine's president. He's asking for more weapons to get Ukraine through the winter and Russian attacks. Beijing has released Australian journalist Chung Lei after holding her for three years on so-called national security charges. Her case has been seen as an example of Beijing's hostage diplomacy. Floorboards that may once have been beneath the feet of William Shakespeare have been rediscovered in a Norfolk theater. Renovations revealed the woodwork at a venue where the poet and playwright is believed to have performed. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the lines. Hopefully he remembers them. Could William Shakespeare have acted here? A new discovery suggests he may have performed at the 600-year-old St. George's Guildhall. The venue claims to be the UK's oldest working theatre. And also we've had some uh, tree ring dating done in the past on the main bridging beams, which confirms it's early 15th century day. Renovations have uncovered a much older floor beneath the current one. The task was a labor of love. The famous playwright was also an actor. Local records include an entry about a visit from a company Shakespeare once belonged to. The theatre claims that it's entirely possible he performed here. Now we know that the boards that are underneath the modern theatre are the original boards dating from 1417 to 1430. And that really is extraordinary, because there simply isn't another theatre in the world that can claim William Shakespeare trod these boards. I think it really changes the atmosphere and the feeling. 
Management says their focus now is preserving the floor for centuries to come. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. In a town in the Bolivian highlands, bulls are still a popular attraction. At a religious festival, the locals follow an old tradition brought by the Spanish. This town is about 40 miles from Bolivia's capital, La Paz. About 30 amateur bullfighters gathered here this week. But the animals weren't killed like they traditionally are in Spanish bullfighting. The event is the center of a Catholic festival honor honoring the patron saint Virgin Remedios, a title for Saint Mary. When you see that the first bull comes out well, the first sowing will be good. When the second bull comes out and sees that the bull is a little soft, it is the second sowing. The people of the highlands see that. In the ring, there are rag dolls that the bull gores. According to local folklore, the bull getting the better of the bullfighter signals a good harvest. The bullfighting festival closes four days of popular festivities celebrating the Virgin of Remedios. Most of us have an old pair of shoes in the closet, but they're probably not kicks like these. Scientists believe several pairs of sandals found in a cave in Spain are the oldest shoes in Europe. Two Spanish universities published their findings in the peer-reviewed journal Science Advances. Their study determined that the footwear dates back 6,000 years. The authors say the sandals have been incredibly well-preserved. Miners discovered the cave in the 19th century. The location is also a burial ground. Baskets, tools, and even human remains have been found. A certain level of stress in life or work can be positive, but if it's chronic, it can affect your health. Here are five tips that can give you a quick way to ease your daily load of stress and frustration. Here's Gina Marie with Strong Mind and Body. In life, there will be painful realities we can't avoid. It could be the anguish of losing a loved one, the suffering of chronic pain, or maybe the uncertainty of losing a job. The only way around these challenges is through them. Here are five pieces of advice that can help you to reduce your stress. Number one, be obsessively single-minded. Life was meant to be lived one moment at a time. When we focus on too many things at once, plus the uncertainty of that future, the load becomes stressful. Don't bother with all that, focus on what's right in front of you. Number two, recalibrate your expectations. Much of our stress is because the world or people aren't the way we want them to be. But ask yourself what's easier, to get the world to change or to change what you expect. Number three, embrace the inherent uncertainty of life. The more you try to control life, the more you realize how fragile your control really is. Instead of fighting, accept uncertainty. Number four, strictly limit whose opinions you care about. One load we don't need to carry is the weight of everyone's expectations. You simply can't please everyone or be at your best every second of the day. And number five, cut out rumination at the first sign. Excessive thinking and worrying is a sure path to stress. While it isn't easy to redirect your thoughts, it's possible with consistent effort. And in closing, don't forget to share your burdens with a trusted friend. It can lighten the load and help you to get out of your own head. That's all for today's news. Thank you for tuning in. Feel free to reach out to us with news tips or feedback at news.today at ntd.com. We'll be back with more stories tomorrow.